Our movie this week is Back to School, released June 13, 1986, starring Rodney Dangerfield, Sally Kellerman, Burt Young, Keith Gordon, and a young Robert Downey Jr. As it says on IMDb to describe this film, to help his discouraged son get through college, a fun-loving and obnoxious rich businessman decides to enter the school as a student himself. Yet he soon finds out that he's not up to the task of college work, and in obnoxious, rich guy fashion, leans on its professional skills of delegating his work to NASA and authors like Kurt Vonnegut. It all comes to a climax in something of a Don Quixote fashion when Thornton faces an impossible task of a giant verbal exam for all his classes, lest he will be expelled. The movie climaxes in a diving meet where Thornton performs his famous triple Lindy dive to win and becomes the first freshman to give the commencement speech. Now, originally this script was written as Thornton Mellon comes back to school as a janitor. But when they brought Harold Ramis in to do a table read, he said, you know, if I was going to go back to college, I wish I was this guy who has all the resources. Yeah. So they rewrote him as the obnoxious rich guy. And yet they also brought in some actual, like, real-world facts from the life of Rodney Dangerfield. So we learn in the backstory that uh, the young Thornton Mellon had been uh, had had not gone on to school. He had bec- become a truck driver. And, um, and, of course, there's the whole thing about him being a diver. Both of these are real facts from the life of Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. So as a young man, he had been an acrobatic high diver. He had also driven a truck. So, like, it wasn't entirely divorced from real life as well. In kind of a kind of a fun way too, right? Well, you know, the producer in the deep cuts describes him as the Michelangelo of the one-liner. <laughs> in comedy, Rodney was as fine an artist as a Picasso. That's yeah. that was one of the quotes. I just I couldn't believe that someone would say that. My, I mean, so think about this movie comes out in '86. Of course, this is a post, much post Caddyshack. It's also uh, what was the other movie that he was in with Jeffrey Jones? Easy Money. Uh, Easy Money. So I mean, there are a trilogy of great Rodney Dangerfield films Absolutely. in which. When he's on screen, he's impossible not to watch and be fascinated by. He's not an attractive man in any way, but he's just thoroughly engaging. And in this film, it moves along really fast, and it it kind of never gets bogged down. Well, right, and uh, you know, some of the other background is that he always thought he was doing poorly because as a stand-up comic, the constant feedback of laughter is not there when they're filming. Right. So he kept thinking he was flopping through all these scenes. Right. But it turns out we've never laughed harder. (laughs) It's it's a lot of fun. There are a lot of interesting cameos in this film. You made reference, of course, to Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Uh, Danny Elfman, uh, who composed the soundtrack, uh, was in the band Oingo Boingo, who makes an appearance with his band uh, at a a house party thrown by Thornton Miller. It's a dead man's party. (laughs) The dead man's party, exactly. Uh, Danny Elfman, of course, the composer who did... Big Top Peewee, the theme to The Simpsons, uh, the uh, all the films with Tim Burton. He's done the soundtracks too, so he's very famous. Here he is doing you know kind of some early work, uh, and but then also as a member of a new wave punk band yes. as well. Well, um, and Harold Ramis was brought in to save this film, yeah, and basically took Rodney Dangerfield into a room and sat down with the script, and they put. 40 of his jokes in. They just <laughs> jammed him right in the script wherever they could. That's awesome. Um, Kevin Spacey 
is uncredited but makes an appearance in this film as a waiter at Thornton Mellon's house when he's still married to Vanessa at the beginning of the film. And it's clearly Kevin Spacey. Like, you can walk over to it and it's... uh, I can't stand small food. Is it in that part? Uh, now I've got to, you know what? Well, I'm going to have to go back a third time <laughs> for this. For this, yeah. So, um, this well, movie was released the same week as Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which, interestingly enough, also featured the song "Twist and Shout" in a key scene in the movie. So, two films from 1986 uh, rely heavily on the Isley Brothers. <laughs> And here I'm so foolish to think that it was the Beatles. Well, you know, there's that. It's the Astley Brothers version thereof, uh, okay. in, in, certainly in Back to School. Um, the dive team bully in this, of course, uh, uh, play, Chaz, played by William Zabka, uh, was William Zabka is most famously Johnny in the Cobra Kai dojo uh, from the Karate Kid. He had a he, long history of 80s villains. Well, that's the thing. He was really worried that he was going to be typecast because this was the second kind of major film. Of course, it turns out he, he has been, and we, we will always think of him as that. Although, he went on to, he continues to make movies uh, and was a director of uh, some music videos and things like that. But honestly so. can't think of another movie after this that I've <laughs> no, seen him in. I know, exactly. I think he's made some some bit appearances in television shows as, as himself. Should be glad to be cast as anything. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In case he's locked into a type. This, well, by the way, just to finish the facts, this was the second highest grossing comedy of 1986. The first Paris highest? Bueller? No. Crocodile Dundee. Oh. Now that's a movie. Now that's a uh, that's a movie. <laughs> Ken, what is it about Back to School that resonates with you so much that you laugh every time you try to make one of the quotes come out? Yeah, I think it's the fact that he's an accomplished man, right? I mean, Thornton Mellon, for all of his buffoonery, he clearly knows business and he's mastered it. He knows the human soul, right? And he sees his son suffering and he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I can as a father to alleviate that. And then he gets there and he's like, oh, I always wanted to do these school things, you know, and he he makes references to, you know, we're doing what I dreamed I'd always want to do. And and his son's like, well, when did you dream you wanted to go to college, Dad? And he's like, well, you know, when I was falling asleep in the classroom, the kind of thing, you know, on the test. When I fell asleep in high school. Yeah. But he he follows himself. He doesn't lose himself. You know, he doesn't instantly become a student and take on being a student in reference to the quote about, what time's our first class? Oh, it's 11. Oh, that's no good. I have a massage. Tell him 2 o'clock. And he's right. like, Dad, that's not how this works. Right. I was like, I'm going to have to have a talk about these dean. This education to... thing's really going <laughs> to cramp These my classes stuff. are really going to get in the way. Yeah. The idea that, you know, I mean, we... <laughs> We joke with ourselves, right? They're like, well, when I have all the money, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do the life of leisure and things like that. And this actually really appeals to me. I did master's studies uh, in which, you know, great books program in which I wanted to study leisure, but in the true Aristotelian sense of leisure. Um, the the beginning of the book, Joseph Pieper, the frontispiece on Joseph Pieper's Leisure, the Basis of Culture, has a quotation from the ethics of Aristotle in which he says, we are unleisurely in order that we might have leisure, meaning that we work so that we can actually support the stuff that isn't work. Right, I thought you were going to quote the movie there. I know you uh, you did. That's, that's where I'm getting you, right? No, I think um, with the 
the movie, this shows this idea of he's been a workaholic all his life because he had to to start. And now he has the money to be at leisure. And yet he falls into the routines and the the habits that he had formed all throughout his life. And so that's why even this silly film actually points to a deep truth about the human person. And that is that we are a bundle of habits that we form. And every decision that we do builds or destroys a habit. And it's hard to get out of those habits. And so even when we have all the money that we could want to do something else, we're probably still going to fall into the same habits that we've that we've built to get to that point. And who would ever have thought Thornton Mellon would have brought us to the great author's the great books. <laughs> but it's probably simpler for me. I think the obnoxious character following around as a teenager, uh, I just enjoy the heck out of obnoxious rich guys in the movie that yeah. I don't have to deal with. Well, and he doesn't hurt anyone is the other thing, right? I mean, Thornton Mellon doesn't hurt anyone. Maybe his sidekick Lou does, you know. But, but I mean, himself, he's just kind of buffoonish. Right. He's just a happy-go-lucky, doesn't want to cause any trouble. Right. But, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I love an obnoxious rich guy. That's (laughs) all there is to it. When you're you're 18 to 23 years old, obnoxious rich guys really play well. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some quotes. Well, you know, because he is the king of one-liners, there are an amazing amount of quotes that you could choose. Now, some of them... A little bit long. Some of them need a little bit of background. So in our format of trying to help the kids, you know, in conversation, could be a little bit tougher to work some of these into conversation. But some of them will live on forever. Uh, One of my favorites, and being on a college campus, uh, the son says, Dad, I'm not making it here. I got one friend, Derek, and he's got no friends. Last semester, I got nothing but C's. To which his father replies, a, B, C. You're in the top three. What are you worried about? <laughs> I absolutely love early Thornton Mellon we, when we meet the businessman. And this is one of those long quotes, but it's just so rich. It's a commercial film by Thornton Mellon who runs, of course, the tall and fat stores. And it goes, hi there. Are you a large person? Pleasantly plump? A little on the hefty side, perhaps? Well, let's face it. Are you fat? When you go jogging, do you leave potholes? When you make love, do you have to give directions? At the zoo, do elephants throw you peanuts? Do you take a look at a menu and say, okay? Well, now, you can eat all you want because at Thornton Mellon's Tall and Fat Stores, we've got you covered. That's right. Fine woolen and woolen blend suits and sport coats in all the larger sizes. Husky, stout, extra stout, and the new Hindenburg line. And for you ladies, we have caftans, moo-moos, and our own exclusive A-frame in all colors and sizes and patterns. Yes, we have miles and miles of fabric. So take it from me, Thornton Mellon. If you want to look thin, you hang out with fat people. Yeah, and to the response to that is Bert, uh, his, his driver, yeah. says, you could lose a few pounds. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy that one, too. That's uh, it, I wouldn't it's say so... it's – I'm thinking it's something that wouldn't go well in yeah, today's Maybe tough in this, in this environment. But not so bad. Yeah, among friends. Among friends, we can laugh. <laughs> like if you have your own Bert. Like he, he, another throwaway, <laughs> not to Lou. go down my quote line here, but – he says to the lady wearing a green dress, hey, I love that dress. If it had pockets, it could be a pool table. Yeah. You got to come to my store. 
And um, then he adds the great line that gets repeated. It's a classic line. No offense. No offense. Yeah, that's his. <laughs> I've just totally offended you. Exactly. And I'm it's, offering it's no the offense. with all due respect uh, right. that he might use. I don't want to yeah. make you angry. Yeah, yeah. Well, so one of the pivotal scenes uh, and one of my favorite quotes, again, working in higher education, <laughs> is where he's meeting Dean Martin, played by Ned Beatty. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, Martin Kremers, of course, the dean of the uh, Mendoza College of Business at Notre Dame, when we refer to you as Dean Martin, it is with great affection. It is the greatest (laughs) affection. Now, let me get this straight, Mr. Mellon. You would like to enter this widely esteemed Grand Lakes University of ours as a freshman? Our student is handpicked by me from the creme de la creme from students across this great land of ours. The point is, since you have no high school diploma... No transcripts of any kind, no SAT scores, and you're 30 to 40 years older than our average freshman. How can this university ever see its way clear to accept you as a student? Cut to the groundbreaking scene. So whatever it is I've said here today, the point is we're here to honor our most generous benefactor and newest freshman, the man who's made it possible to break ground today, Mr. Thornton Mellon. (laughs) That's a... Yeah. I just enjoy the heck out of that whole exchange. <laughs> I just really, and yeah. that's again, that's a hard one to work in a conversation. <laughs> it's more situational, it's and more it's appreciation si- of what's going on. Yes, yeah, it's timely. It's timely, exactly. Um, there is one quotation that I think of again, not just at a you know institution of higher learning, but particularly at the one where we are employed. And it's not by Thornton Mellon, but it's from Derek, played, of course, by the great Robert Downey Jr., who is dressed rather flamboyantly throughout the film. But he's holding an anti-pep rally and explaining what what, uh, he's doing. He says, violent ground acquisition games such as football are, in fact, a crypto-fascist metaphor for nuclear war. And I can't help but think of that. Crypto-fascist is yeah, what exactly. the football game so, is all about. So it turns out this is actually a very timely quotation. It is very timely. It's especially during the football season. That's right. Uh, I mean, there are a million, again, a million throwaway lines. Just one throwaway that I just can't let go of is, he really knows how to tell you how it ain't. Well, you know what he knows how to do? Flunk you. Flunk me. <laughs> Flunk him. <laughs> right? He gets all these little yeah. quick jabs in about what's with the used books. Yeah. Oh, the used books. The used books one is great because, uh, yeah, his, his what's son. What's with the used books? What's wrong with used books? They've already been read. <laughs> they've yeah. Al- yeah, they've already been underlined, Yes, too. and highlighted. That's the point. The person who had that book could have been a madman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who, who even thinks of something like that? I'll tell you what. As a guy who buys a lot of used books... Both both wondering, what did somebody else find interesting? You also do wonder, why in the world did they find that Why did they underline this? Yeah. Get these kids new books. And that's right when he jumps into the rich guy, yeah. Al Chervik from Caddyshack. <laughs> exactly. Saying, I want six of those, five of those. Give me a couple of those pennants. But <laughs> one that I really, uh, I would say, was is a little bit more usable is, um, look, I know I'm only a freshman, but what do you say? You want to have dinner tonight? We could talk about Joyce. She's my favorite writer. <laughs> well, you're not the usual freshman, but I can't. Actually, I'd like to join you, but I have class tonight. How about tomorrow night? I have class tomorrow night, too. Well, why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? <laughs> yeah. Which, all the time I'm running into people who are, <laughs> well, I can't do it because I have class. And I'm like, well, why don't you call me sometime <laughs> when you have no class? Yeah. Absolutely. So this film is just full of them, and it's... 
again, it's it's fast paced. Rodney Dangerfield is absolutely in his element. There's almost no scene in the film where he's not in it. There are very few. You know, a couple setups with his son and and kind of showing how sad and and unhappy his son and is. The love interest. The love, in, but even that, I mean, yeah, is. It's really, it's a charming film. What I find delightful about it is the fact that the kids these days will, will have never seen it on their own. It used to, when we were growing up, though, it would be on television every now and then. It could be on TV back then. Yeah. I don't know that it gets on TV anymore. I don't think so. But it is quite hilarious. And because of the 50 one-liners that were jammed into the script, yeah, we'll love it for ages. Well, now, so what are some of the situations? Let's go to the situation room. <laughs> and. Right. Talk about some of the situations you might use some of these. Well, so we were discussing before. Uh, I mean, I love the, you know, the commercial. Uh, there, It's rare when you'll get a chance to actually drop insults uh, on people for sizeism these days or things like that. But, uh, but still, you know, <laughs> referring to good friends and, and maybe somebody who is wearing a little larger size is saying, oh, he's in his new Hindenburg line. Yes. I mean, that's always going to be funny. Or a moo-moo. <laughs> or a moo-moo. Caftan. I mean, of course, the Simpsons do the same joke in their great episode where King Homer, size Homer. Y- yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I don't want to look like a freak. <laughs> um, you know, again, being around college campuses with students who are highly wound today, the ABC top three quote... <laughs> doesn't yeah. really relieve the tension of a student, <laughs> right. but it makes it more enjoyable for me. <laughs> so, and really, that's kind of what these quotes are all about. Yeah, I think uh, so. And you'll connect with some people, but then it always leads to an explanation of, well, really, this is from a movie. Right. Kind of a what movie is that from moment, exactly. if you will. If you will. To go all meta on you. To go super meta. <laughs> but, um, anytime you see underlining in a book, you can always use that idea, you know, that's the problem. The, the guy who underlined them, he could have been a maniac. He could have been a madman. What's the yeah. problem with used books? Yeah. They've already been read. That's I enjoy the they've already been read. As, yeah. if, you, as if one would never think to read a book again that's been read. Um, not dissimilar to when you uh, you go to the pound and you get a, a, a dog or a cat, rescue a dog or a cat. I like to refer to them as a used dog or a used cat. <laughs> How do you use a dog? Yes. This cat's been used. (laughs) Uh, You know, again, some of these other ones with uh, being in the news, lots of fun with celebrities being in trouble, buying their kids into school. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. Uh, So it's always fun to say, how could I possibly let you into this school? Yeah. This and, is not, by the way, uh, if if you're a member of the court listening, this is not to prejudice the uh, the witnesses oh, or the or the uh, the jury. Oh, for certain. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, being on the campus, and I'm having many occasions where people have class and they can't connect, and yep. I constantly am throwing out, "Well, why don't you call me sometime when you have no class?" That's right. It seems to fit. It all seems the time. to fit exactly all the time. Always going to be welcome. And then again, the idea in football season, just. Uh, Casually throw out at a party sometime that uh, that football is a in fact a crypto fascist metaphor for nuclear war. Just see where it goes. The funny thing is, I don't know that kids are worried about nuclear war anymore. So much, right? Maybe we maybe we'll have to. Probably not as much as we should. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. exactly. Well, I've enjoyed the heck out of it. I feel like I'm going to be more functional in conversation, having had this discussion, Ken. <laughs> I... There is one trivia bit that I want to mention well, that in. relates to. 
to our grand project here at What Movie Is That From? There is a an character actor who appears here in Back to School, M. Emmett Walsh. A uh, great character actor. He, of course, uh, at this time, especially in the early to mid-80s, was in a lot of films. Uh, he was in Blade Runner. He plays uh, Harrison Ford's boss in Blade Runner. Um, here he plays the the diving coach uh, in, in this film. And um, uh, he appears also in another film that has come up in What Movie Is That From? And... Uh, I don't know if you've heard the episode already, but our discussion on the great film Fletch, uh, he plays a role in Fletch as well. So I believe his is, title is Dr. Jellyfinger. <laughs> I believe, I believe you know, it is. You know, I what I like about M. Emmett Walsh is he plays mostly, he is a great character actor. A lot of times plays angry local guy. Um, Co- a corrupt cop. Corrupt cop, kind of a poor man's Tom Poston. Right? I mean, very similar in appearance and stodginess. Yep. yep. Um, although Tom Poston is, you know, has aloofness down to Right. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's a little, seems a little more dim-witted. M. Emmett Walsh always seems to be playing a guy who knows part of the conspiracy kind of deal. And I can certainly buy him. into him being both a proctologist <laughs> and a diving coach. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's a former life. Well, good discussion. Yes, I enjoyed it. I feel situationally aware. <laughs> I guess we could leave the situation room then. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. <laughs>